0: What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game by game breakdowns of everything Wizards.
1: Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavaliers Central, Nuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Blazing the Path, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and At the Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the Maze.com Podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the green light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spell A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code Hoopheads to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code Hoopheads to get 20% off.
0: And the Wizards that we all know and love are back. Um, They just lost to the Trailblazers 132 to 121. Um, Yeah, that's a lot of points. So (laughs) just going through the uh, top line numbers of the four... Uh, factors plus offensive efficiency um, type of numbers the trailblazers um, their offense rating was 134.7 which is in the 97th percentile uh, the wizards were at 124.7 which is awesome that's 86 percentile um, most games you're gonna win if your offense rating is that high uh, but the wizards tend to not do that uh, too much the wizards effective field goal percentage is actually at 65.1 which is pretty ridiculous. That's in the 94th percentile. Trailblazers at 57.4. Trailblazers didn't turn the ball over at a 9.2 turnover rate. And they got an insane amount of offensive rebounds at 33.3% offensive rebound rate, which was 87th percentile. That's, you know, that's like insane. Like (laughs) giving the other team extra possessions. That's why their effective field goal percentage uh, ended up being lower than the Wizards. They also got the line a lot more uh, at 24.2% free throw rate. And it was right, fifteen point seven. Their offense rebound rate was less than half that of the Trailblazers, and they turned the ball over a lot more. That's again why they ended up losing the ball game. Um, just going through some of the stats of the Trailblazers: uh, Damian Lillard had a not very good night, and he ended up scoring thirty-two points. Uh, Covington had nineteen, Cantor had fourteen points, and ten—or not—I oh, man I read that wrong. I was about to go crazy. Five offensive rebounds, fifteen total rebounds. Um, Gary Trent had 26, uh, Rodney Hood had 15, Cameron Anthony had 21, a pretty good score night for everyone all around. Um, on the Wizards' side, Beal had another good game, 37 points, Westbrook had 17, um, 12 rebounds and 10 assists, uh, Rui Hachimura had 24 points, and that's all the most notable ones. Um, so coming into this game, the Trailblazers were 10-9 and 9 with a minus 2.7 point differential, uh, which is pretty low. Um, that. that actually pretty close to what the Wizards were coming into this game in terms of point differential. Um, they're 6th in offense at 115.2 offensive rating. And again, I'd just like to remind everyone that their offensive rating in this game was 134.7. Um, and they came into this game 29th in defense rating at 117.8, which really showed in this one. Um, actually, something that's interesting is that this team came into the game 3rd um, in 3-point attempts and 1st in both break 3 point attempts, and that was pretty obvious in this one. Um, I guess I don't know where to start. Uh, um, I guess actually, I'll start with the some of the shot chart uh, stuff. So the Blazers from above the big threes were eleven or eighteen for thirty eight, which is forty seven point four percent, which is absolutely ridiculous. And um, look, like the stat that I always give out is that um, Stephen Curry in his unanimous MVP season shot about I think it was forty five point nine percent from in wide open threes. So if a team is shooting 47.4% in any threes in any sort of capacity, then there's a lot of shooting variance to do with that. It's not just you're leaving guys open because even if you leave the best shooter on earth and his prime open from three, he's only going to make 45.9%. So 47.4%, that's not entirely, you know, on the Wizards. Um, That's just kind of getting unlucky at the end of the day. Um, They're 3 for 6 from the right corner and 0 for 2 from the left corner. Uh, Mid-range, 8 for 19. Battle League average, Floater range, 6 for 18, and around the rim, 9 for 12, but they only got there 12 times. It's not very many times, um, I believe, just checking, so that's 21% at the rim. That's only in the 8th percentile, so, I mean, a good job of preventing them from getting to the rim. They just had a lot of shots, and that happens sometimes. Uh, Wizards did a great job of getting to the rim. Um, 23 for 25 around the rim, which is unbelievable. Uh, there's one name in particular that's the reason for that. Um and that's Ennis Kanter, obviously. Uh, 4 for 7 from floater range, 3 for 11 from mid-range, 11 for 32 from above the big threes, um, you know, which is perfectly solid. Uh, that's 34.4%. Uh, that's not terrible. Um, 2 for 3 from the left corner and 3 for 5 from the right corner. Um, actually, where I want to no, I guess, first of all, I'll start with the Wizards scheme in terms of guarding um, Damian Lillard. So obviously, like against Lillard, you have to bring the big up to the level of the screen. And the Wizards' bigs, or two other bigs, are Robin Lopez and Alex Len. Uh, Lopez only played 13 minutes in this game, which I think is 100 percent the right decision. Alex Len only played eight minutes, which again is 100 percent the right decision. Um, Robin Lopez and Alex Len against Damian Lillard are complete mismatches, uh, just because Trailblazers love setting ball screens, love setting drag screens to get you know Lillard uh, at a potential advantage, and you have to bring your guy. <laughs> you have to bring Robin Lopez and Alex Len to. The level of the screens against Damian Lillard, he's just way too good at shooting off the dribble. Uh, I want to pull up his off the dribble three point stats super quick. So Damian Lillard on pull up three point attempts last season. Um, I'm using last season just because that's a bigger sample size. Um, so he was at forty point four percent, which is absolutely like insane. Uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, if he does that consistently, that's like what one one point two one four. No, 1.21, something like that, uh, points per shot, which is unbelievably high. NBA average is right around like 1.04 type-ish. So that's really good. You can't let him do that. Um, Off the dribble threes, he's unbelievable. Off three to six dribbles, he's 39.4% last season. Off seven plus dribbles, he's 42.7%. You can't let him shoot off the dribble. Um, Just looking at some of his other numbers, and when he's guarded uh, with a guy from two to four feet away from him, he's 39.7% from three. So all these images kind of scream, you've got to really, really, really get up on him. And the Wizards, you know, did that uh, to an extent with their bigs coming up to level the screen, but Robin Lopez and Alex Len just aren't mobile enough to execute that scheme. So it's a good decision to kind of go more small, more uh, Rui at the five type lineups to kind of get Rui. Rui did a lot, a much better job defensively, just getting up to level the screen and preventing Damian Lillard from getting wide open shots. Like Lillard still got some open looks uh, just from a couple of creative actions that the Blazers would run with multiple guys screening. So then... Um, the Wizards got kind of confused as to who was supposed to come to the level of the screen. Like one action they ran, um, they set like a back screen for Gary Trent and then Gary Trent came around and then set a ball screen for Damian Lillard. And Ru- it was supposed to be Russell Westbrook coming up to the level of the screen, but he was kind of confused with the other action that just happened. Um, so Lillard got an open look at a three, he just missed. Uh, those types of actions, um, at the beginning of the game, I was kind of confused as to why they weren't just running ball screen against Robin Lopez every play, which, like, I'll stand and buy that. They should have done that every single play with Robin Lopez on the floor. Um, but with Robin Lopez and now it's off the floor, getting those really, really creative uh, type of looks to get really open shots is is really smart. I love to see it. Um, I guess I don't love to see it as much against the Wizards, but it's really fun to see coaches get really creative in ways to get their best players an advantage. And um, Terry Stotts definitely does a good job of that. And it showed in this game uh, when Rui was at the five. Um, I guess... I, got, I do want to talk about some positives for the Wizards. Um, Ruby Hachimura had one of the best games I've seen from him. Uh, he competed defensively. Uh, he, that was one of the better games I've seen from him, just like getting over screens. Um, he had that one really big block, but also he just did a good job in terms of effort defensively. Um, still not the best in terms of like knowing where to be at all times, but uh, as long as you're giving effort out there, like that's all you can ask for um, in terms of like how to fix it from a single game perspective. And Rui definitely did do that. Uh he shot incredibly well. He was three for four from three, 10 for twelve from the field, uh, one for two at the line. Uh he just did a great job. Uh there's this one play near the end of the game though. Uh he caught the ball at the top of the key, wide open from three, hesitated, didn't shoot it. He got the ball back, wide open still, hesitated, didn't shoot it. Like he was three for four on the night, having one of the better games that I've seen from him in terms of shooting, and he was still hesitant to shoot. Like that doesn't really make sense to me. Like, you have to have more confidence in yourself and Again, like part of shooting is just the mental aspect of it. It's not all just how much work you put in, how your form is, how your mechanics are. Like Rui does need work in terms of like form and mechanics and footwork and all that. But at the end of the day, if you're confident in your shot, it's going to go in more. And Rui like clearly just from that, I think at that point, he was actually three for three because at the end of possession, he ended up shooting a three and he missed. So he's two for three in the game. He's, he was 10 for 11 from the field. And you're passing up open looks uh, that, you know, it doesn't really add up. It doesn't make sense. Uh, that was kind of disappointing to see at the end of the game. But, again, overall, great game for Rui. Um, I was really happy with that performance, especially because he's he's kind of been struggling this season. He hasn't been great. Uh, it's good to see him back. Um, Russell Westbrook, I do, uh, no, I'll do i talk about him in the negatives. I'm trying to talk about positives here. Uh, Bradley Beal, 37 points. He's absolutely unbelievable. Um, Trailblazers, uh, they started by, like, going over screens and just locking trail against Bradley Beal, which is, that like, that's kind of what teams have started to do just because he's been killing teams when they try to top lock him. Um, but... When Beal would catch the ball with a guy behind him, he would just explode to the rim. And since the trailers had Ennis Kanter, uh, Enes Kanter could not do anything to stop anyone on the Wizards near the pain. That's why they're 23 for 25, which is absolutely like ludicrous, like insane in terms of efficiency around the rim. Um, and Beal just did anything he wanted. He was 5 for 7 at the rim. Getting there seven times is really good. Um, 4 for 8 from 3, 3 for 3 in floater range. Like he, getting, if Beal getting downhill, um, it was just easy for him against Dennis Cantor. Beal's too athletic. He's too strong. He's too talented. He's too skilled, like just to not be able to finish over as Cantor almost every time. And he did that tonight. Um, At one point, an adjustment that Terry Stotts made was just telling Gary Trent, like, look, um, go under the screen. Don't let Bradley Beal get to the rim. And, you know, that doesn't let Bradley Beal get to the rim and get an easy finish over Cantor, but that does let Bradley Beal get an open look at the three, especially like Beal's really good at shooting off the dribble. um, And he's good at hitting open looks. So doing that kind of just allowed Beal to make a couple threes and he ended up six for 12 on the night, which is awesome. Um, But uh, some of those looks were from just (laughs) the chair going under screens and Bradley Beal got really good looks at the rim and he's got to shoot them. Uh, Sometimes he kind of passes up looks just trying to be too aggressive going to the basket. Like if you're wide open from three, I'd rather see just Bradley Beal pull it Um, unless he really, really knows you can get to the rim because obviously like shots at the rim are the most efficient shots in the game. You should want to attack that as much as possible. Um, and Beal did a good job of doing that tonight overall. Um, you know, here and there, he probably could have shot a three instead of going to the rim, but that's kind of just nitpicking. He had 37 points. He was good tonight. I'm not going to, you know, be too negative on him. Um, I guess now I'll talk about Russell Westbrook. Um, cause I don't know what other positives are there for the Wizards. Uh, I guess overall they were 16 of 40 from three, which is 40%. That's really good. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what other positives to say. Their defense was awful. Um, so, I guess I do want to talk about Russell Westbrook, though. Um, he had 17 points, um, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, whatever. Uh, he 7 for 15 from the field, 1 for 3 from 3, 2 for 2 at the line. Um, just, like, against this matchup, I expected Westbrook to do better. Um, again, the Wizards played it against Ennis Cantor, and Bradley Beal was 6 of 6 in the restricted area, um, which is awesome. Like, he got there 6 times. He finished 6 times. Like, but do that more. Why did he shoot... Five mid-range jump shots. He's over five for mid-range. He's a bad mid-range jump shooter in the first place. Why is he settling for mid-range shots? There's a couple of possessions where he got switched onto like Carmelo Anthony. Like really, Carmelo Anthony? Carmelo Anthony? There, Carmelo Anthony should have no shot at staying in front of Russell Westbrook in an isolation play. Russell Westbrook should never ever settle for a mid-range jump shot ever, especially if Carmelo Anthony's on him, especially if Anthony Simons is on him. Why is he settling for mid-range jump shots against these guys? Like, he's not playing against, like, world-beater defenders, especially on the 29th ranked defense. Take it to the rim. Um, He shot one for three three from three. If he's wide open, like, I don't mind him shooting that. Uh, You got to keep the defense honest at some point, but his mid-range shots are just so terrible. Um, I do want to find his—I want to look up his shooting from mid-range, but— yeah, it's bad. Like the eye test just tells me that it's <laughs> really bad. I'm sure when I pull up his numbers, I'm going to be not happy uh, with him shooting so many, but I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I actually, I'm, I do want to look at uh, Westbrook's numbers. I'm kind of curious to see his, how often he's at the rim. Um, oh, okay. This is interesting. So percent of shot attempts at the rim, Russell Westbrook in his lowest year ever in his career was in his MVP year, which is pretty interesting, and. Um, 34% at the rim. Last season he was 49% at the rim, but those shots are that's obviously inflated just because of Rocket style. So the number that I always look back to is the season before that with like Paul George and Steven Adams, those type of guys. Um so he was 40% of his shots were taken at the rim. This season he's down to 25%. Um and then in that same season, 35% shots, or the same the season from two seasons ago, if that makes sense. Uh 35% of his shots were at the rim. And this season it's at 53 or not at the rim in mid-range. Was 35%. And this season, it's 53%. So that's up 18% in terms of frequency in the mid range. Um, three point attempts is about the same. You know, that's whatever. If he shoots 22% of his shots from three, like, I'm not going to be too mad at that. Like, if he's wide open and he feels confident in a shot, then shoot it. Um, and okay, <laughs> now here's where we get into some of the interesting stuff. Um, Russ Westbrook is shooting 65% at the rim, which is the highest shot percentage at the rim in his whole entire career. Um, and for mid range, he's shooting. 33%, which is the lowest in his entire, nope, Oh uh, no, he was a little lower in 2018, 2019 at 32%, but it's the second lowest in his whole career, um, and then from three, he's actually shooting pretty well, 37%, uh, but again, all those on wide open looks, he had a couple hot nights, so, you know, it's a small sample, it's only a sample of 51 shots, but still, that's encouraging, um, but again, why is he taking mid-range shots when he's only making 33% and not only that, he's shooting a lot of long mid-range shots where he's only shooting 35%. Like, it just doesn't make sense from a mathematical standpoint or an eye test standpoint or a schematic standpoint or like any standpoint you could possibly think of unless you're trying to lose basketball games, which I'm sure he's not trying to do. Um, he just needs to attack more. And he looks good when he's doing it. Like He looked more explosive tonight just getting to the rim and finishing, but he needs to just continuously do that more and more and more often. Uh, his last two games, he played really well. This game, he didn't play very well um I guess you can't ask someone to be good every night but hopefully he bounces back because the old Westbrook that we saw in the last couple games was exciting to see it was kind of it seemed like it'd be a turning point in the season not only for him but for the whole team and now it kind of seems like that isn't happening um I guess next I do have to talk about uh Bretons Bretons just can't get his stroke at all he was two for ten from three tonight um I want to be patient with him just because he's he kind of has been through the protocols and all that kind of stuff but it was really, really rough for him. He was minus 22 on the night, which is the worst of anyone on the team. That <sighs> was just brutal. Like him on defense, he could not guard Carmelo Anthony at all. I don't know why Brooks went to that matchup. It just didn't make sense from a conceptual standpoint. And, you know, it didn't work overall in the end. Um, I guess if you're going to put Bretons out there and you really, really need someone to guard, like just throw Bonga out there. I don't know why Scott Brooks is so reluctant to play Isak Bonga. Um, he should definitely get more minutes, especially in those types of matchups where you kind of throw in the bench unit and no one can guard. Another team's wing, like Bonga, just throw him out there for some defense. Like defense, the other team scoring two points is just as valuable as your team's scoring two points. So you want to stop the other team from scoring. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Really bad night for Bretons. Not a very good night for Alex Len, but he only played eight minutes. Uh, Mo Wagner, uh, he brings good energy. I do like what he brings to the table and. He can move his feet some more on defense, uh, which really helps against the Portland Trailblazers with Damian Miller coming off those drag screens, those ball screens, all that kind of stuff. So he was more helpful. He was the most helpful center in this game. Um, I still like Robin Lopez better as a drop coverage guy against most teams. But just how you have to play the Trailblazers, Mo Bogner was a better matchup. Um, Ish Smith was back to looking more like Ish Smith. He only had three points, one for four from the field. He gave up a ton of just layups. Where he was like wide open, like he just dribble in, wide open, and just pass it out, and start shooting the layup. I don't understand that. He had nine assists, which is good. Uh, not very good defensively. You you kind of know what you're getting with this Smith. And then Garrison Matthews had eleven points. Um, he was fine, uh, nothing too special. But I would like to see him more, play more than fifteen minutes in the game. Like I think at this point, Garrison Matthews is a better basketball player if you want to win games than like Danny Avia. Um, but Danny Avia obviously gets those entitlement minutes because. He was the ninth pick in the draft this year, and Garrison Matthews is undrafted, set two-way player. So, you know, it is what it is. I understand the whole business of the league, but that kind of happens. Um, I guess there's a couple of things I want to talk about in my notes. Um, so something, so I watched part of the Bucks game last night uh, where they played against the Trailblazers. And they did something that was interesting where they top-locked a bunch of, a lot of Damian Lillard just coming off the ball. Um, the, the Blazers had a lot of plays where actually Damian Lillard didn't bring the ball to the court. He was actually off the ball and the Wizards locked and trailed instead of top locking. And when the, uh, when the Bucks top locked, it was actually pretty successful. But the thing is that they were top locking with Drew Holiday. The Wizards have no one like Drew Holiday on their roster, which is kind of a big issue that they don't have someone who can really get into the best guards in the league and just guard up. Um... So, yeah, they had Drew Holiday do it, and then they just had the big, who was Brooke Lopez, Sagoff, a Kanter, which is the way to go, um, especially when a to top block someone. You have to have someone in the paint. We've seen that plenty against Bradley Beal, and the Wizards, I guess, like, they could have done that. Um, the Bucks did a really good job last night of containing Damian Willard, and that's how they did it, and they also iced a lot of side ball screens, and they brought their big to the level of the screen. The Wizards brought their big to the level. They didn't really ice any ball screens. Um, I kind of wish they did that more, just to try to throw it, mix it up, mix up the coverage on him, but... I guess it's hard to make adjustments in the season like that and just do completely different coverages because the Bucks do do that sometimes, especially against side ball screens. So, you know, I guess it, it's tough. I understand, like, not completely changing up your ball screen coverage for, you know, just a random regular season game. Um, I guess I'll talk about... No, uh, something I really, really do want to talk about is Drew Gooden. Um, Drew Gooden, I guess if you don't watch the Wizards uh, broadcast, which I would understand, Drew Gooden is the color guy. And some of the stuff he says is like really, really frustrating just from like someone who's trying to actually like analyze the game and learn something from watching these games. Um, the color guy is there to try to like, I guess, help guide the audience, help teach the audience, you know, through the game, help them understand what's going on better. And like for the casual fan who's not like breaking it down and doing a podcast every night about the game, like he's just providing wrong information. It's it's so frustrating to see. It's like something that he kept saying was that, um, so what the Blazers would do with, they'd set a ball screen for Damian Lillard. The big has to come to the level of screen and contain, like kind of like a hedge situation, hedge and contain. Um, And then the person who was guarding Damian Lillard would have to try to recover. And then when he recovered, the big would go back to the roller. And then, So, you know, what do you do with the roller? Uh, You have to help, obviously. So the guy on the weak side, the low man on the weak side, or, well, usually they would have a single tag. So the low man on the weak side has to come, tag the roller. And then once the big recovers to the roller, um, he goes back to his man. So when that happens, obviously, sometimes shooters are going to get left open. So who are you going to leave open? It's a two-on-one on on the weak side. You're either going to leave open the roller or you're going to leave open the shooter on the weak side. Uh, Who's he going to be? Are you going to leave the wide-open layup or the wide-open three-point shooter? Obviously, you're going to leave the three-point shooter every time. If the ball swings to the three-point shooter, you go out onto your man, you recover, um, and then someone else helps on the roller. It's kind of that simple. That's how most teams play pick and roll. Sometimes uh, teams help on the strong side and uh, when there's um, a double tag on the strong side and single tag on the weak side just because they don't want that situation. But that's not how the Wizards play pick and roll coverage. If you want to talk about that the Wizards should play a different type of pick and roll coverage, that's different. Um, But if you just say that the Wizards should be denying their man on the ball at every single spot on the floor, you're just wrong. Like you're blatantly wrong. You're giving the, the watchers wrong information. You're giving the casual fan... Like you're telling them something that's just false. That doesn't make any sense. That's not how NBA teams play defense. You can't deny the ball because you have to help. Um, if you don't help on Damian Lillard um, when your man sets the screen, he's just going to walk into a wide open three every single play. So you can't just deny on the ball. If you don't help on the roller, the roller is just going to walk into a wide open dunk every single play. And then you're going to lose every single game. It doesn't make, you're going to give up 200 points and you're going to lose. It doesn't make any sense what he's saying. He's saying that he wants them to deny off the ball. If Look, if the Trailblazers make 45% of their threes and beat you, you're going to live with that. If if the Trailblazers make 100% of their shots because every single one of them is a dunk, you're not going to live with that. It doesn't, look, teams don't shoot 45.7% from three. It doesn't really happen that often. So if they're going to beat you with that, then they beat you with that. You have to live with it. Shooting a lot of threes is a high-variant strategy. Sometimes it's going to go really well like it did for the Trailblazers tonight. Sometimes it's going to go really poorly like it did for the Trailblazers yesterday. That's just how basketball works. You can't I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's my Drew Goodenran. You can't deny the weak side. Um, I guess also what the Wizards were doing. So if there's a double tag on the weak side, the Wizards would kind of play like an I formation, uh, which is what a lot of teams do. Where the first um, helper would come from the top guy, um, and then he would help on you help on the roller until the roller gets like kind of near the paint, kind of near the restricted area, and then you pass them on to the bottom guy. That's what the Wizards were doing. If you want to say that they shouldn't be playing that, and they should just have the bottom guy just wait in the paint and help. On the roller that's that's a perfectly reasonable argument. That's probably what I would argue that the wizards should have done, especially if um, Robert Covington or Gary Trent Jr. was the top guy on the weak side, like the guy in the on the wing instead of the guy in the corner, the weak side wing instead of weak side corner is what I'm trying to say. That's a perfectly reasonable argument that you could be making. But if you're making the argument that they should be denying both guys on the weak side and just let the roller roll free to the basket, that's not a reasonable argument. And you're just providing the watch, like the people watching the game with just completely incorrect information. And it's just really frustrating because I know the casual fan, like a casual fan that's not like literally just doing a podcast every single day, is listening to him and probably nodding their head like, yeah, why aren't they just denying? Because th- the color guy is supposed to be helping them. He's not supposed to be um, denying them of learning about the game of basketball. It just doesn't make sense. It, I don't know. There's a reason that Drew Gooden is in the booth instead of on the sideline and he shouldn't be in the booth quite frankly. Um, that's, that's just what I have to say about Drew Gooden. Um, and it's just frustrating to see, especially like most color guys, like I guess they can't say as much as they might want to um, just from the fact that a lot of producers don't, I would assume don't want them to really give in-depth breakdowns of games. Um, but it's like they, at least they give like information that's not blatantly wrong, uh, which is what Drew Gooden did a lot over and over again tonight. And that's, it's just frustrating to me as someone who's trying to sit here and provide people daily with breakdowns of the game from my perspective. But I try to sit here and try to give as much correct information as I possibly can. So then people, like, I want people to learn after listening to this podcast, learn about how the Wizards are doing, learn about the schemes that they ran, learn about the things that Scott Brooks did, learn about things that the opposing coach, like Terry Stotts, did, um, you know, learn about what the Wizards could have done better, learn about who's playing well, who's not. And I want to give, like, objective commentary or subjective, object whichever one, commentary on who's playing well and who's not, and then what the Wizards could do schematically and all that kind of stuff. But it's frustrating to see other people who are in positions where they could, their voices heard more than mine, where they're just just blatantly giving incorrect information. And I talked like five minutes on Drew Good, and I didn't expect to talk that long on him. Um, but again, I don't even, <laughs> I'm not going to get started again. Um, I guess okay. I'll talk about one set that was interesting. It was the Wizards' first set of the game. Um, it was an empty side step-up screen with Bradley Beal. He got a pretty good look. He missed a shot, but again, I like all the actions that the Wizards ran going at, right at Kanter. Um, that was really, really smart from Scott Brooks because, you know, everyone Canner has a reputation. Ennis Cantor played 36 minutes in this game, um, and he has a reputation of someone who you can attack on defense, and the Wizards 100% did that in this game, and they had a ton of success just attacking downhill over and over and over again against Ennis Canner. This was a really, really good Wizards offensive game. Yeah. Um, the Blazers just shot the ball really well. The Wizards could have done some things about that. Again, if you want to say that their ball screen coverage could have been a little different, that's fine. Um, there's if there's one thing the Wizards definitely shouldn't have done. It's denied everyone <laughs> off the ball. Um, yeah, you know, so let me just I'll go through my notes. I'll see if there's anything else I want to point out, and that'll be it. Actually, I do. So something I did write in my notes um, during the third quarter was that the Wizards are helping too much from one pass away. And um, I guess like a lot of times when you help from one pass away too much, then that kind of causes a full rotation and the Blazers just, you know, they'd swing the ball a couple of times and then on the full rotation, they'd get an open look at the three. And that is something that I don't like about the Wizards scheme. Like that's been their scheme all season to play like pretty conservative in the gaps. And um, I'm not a big fan of that uh, just because the Wizards don't really like because it forces a lot of full rotations. And the Wizards don't have guys who are good enough defensively to recover and into those four rotations. Like they don't have good enough guys closing out. They don't have good enough guys who are just frankly like fast enough, long enough, athletic enough to um, do those things. They don't have guys with high enough defensive IQ to have four rotations. Um, So just from a X and O standpoint, I don't understand why the Wizards help so much from one pass away. A lot of teams don't do that. Um, Some really, really successful teams kind of like the Toronto Raptors do do that. Um, So like I... I guess if Brooks is looking at that and saying that he wants to do that more, then that's fine. But, I mean, the Wizards were extra conservative when Lerder had the ball, which means that they were in the gaps a lot more. And that just, it just made life easier for Damian Lillard in terms of a playmaking standpoint. Um, like, playmaking isn't the best part of Lillard's game, but he's pretty adequate in that aspect. And um, he definitely, and the, the Wizards made easy on him tonight um, in terms of playmaking just because all that helping, like, in the gaps from one pass away. And that does go back to something that coaches always say. Like, I remember my high school coach yelling all the time, like, ball moves faster than the man. Um, if the Blazers are able to get the Wizards in a full rotation, swing the ball a couple times, or just, you know, pass, 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 and then eventually the guy's going to get open just because the ball does move faster than the man. It's hard to rotate super fast, especially with a new team without a full training camp. So I don't understand that from a schematic standpoint. And um, yeah, that's all I had to say uh, for this game. If you listen to the Drew Gooden rant, I'm sorry if you don't watch Wizards broadcast. But if you ever do, um, just be careful with every all the information you hear, please. Um, and yeah, I think so. The Wizards next game is tomorrow against Miami Heat. We'll see how that goes because they have another guy who you have to come to the level of the screen, Duncan Robinson. Um, that's going to be really, really interesting. But they also have a couple guys you can attack on defense and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. So. It's gonna be a fun one to watch. Um, Wizards can definitely compete, especially with the Heat not playing as well as they could possibly this season. But again, like Butler's been out most of the year, so it'll be super interesting. So tune into that tomorrow. I think it's at seven o'clock, um, and then I'll have a podcast coming out after that.
1: If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod, but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for
0: listening to the Wizards Hoops Analysts Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. I'll see you next
1: time.